Hey friends, it's so glad to have you join us today. My name is Clay Munkus and I'm the lead pastor here at Next Level. And today we're going to wrap up this series that we've been in called He Gets Us. And in each message of this series, we've kind of been looking at some of the top issues most of us face each day. So we started out, we looked at anxiety and what we learned about anxiety is it's not our job to remove anxiety. Our job is to cast all our worries on God, so cast them. Then we looked at heartbreak, and we learned that God is close and cares deeply for the brokenhearted. And last week, we looked at failure, and we saw that Jesus, man, he offers, offers second chances, or third or fourth chances, as many as you need. This week, I want to talk about financial struggle. And as I do, I want to say that in the Bible, the authors speak to really two different types of financial struggle. There is the poor, which you could define as people living substantially with less uh, money or resources than those around them. And then there are people who have money but are struggling because of how they have managed their money. Now, if you're in that first category, let me say that you are very close to God's heart and he cares deeply for you. He identifies himself with you in kind of the deepest way. He feels your hunger. He feels your heart that wants to do more for your children. He knows what it feels like to be lonely or to be sick or unable to care for yourself. But God not only sees the poor, he sees the needs of the poor. He goes out and then he meets those needs of the poor. And how does God do that? Well, he calls the rest of us to meet the needs of those around us. Real quick here, let's just look at a couple of verses around this. Psalm 41.1, the psalmist says, Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. And then in Proverbs, the writer of that says this in 1421, Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who's generous to the poor. Now, I know most everyone listening to me right now would love to be able to give and to take care of others' needs, but it's easy to get you in a place where you can't do that where you feel lost in the realm of your personal finance. And we ask questions like, am I saving enough? Am I spending too much? Are we getting too much in debt? Like, what about the future? We ask those questions all the time. But here's a question we need to ask ourselves from time to time, especially in light of what we just read about how God wants us, those with you know, resources, to care for those that are in need. And the question is this, why do I have more than I need? Why do I have more than I need? Now, I realize you don't have as much as you want. I, I know. Few of us do. After all, our desire for stuff is kind of like the rest of our appetites. It can never be fully satisfied. But for just a moment, shift your focus away from your potential possessions and income to your actual possessions and income. Chances are it's more than your parents had at your age. It's probably considerably more than most people in the world can lay claim to. So, why you? Like, why? Over the last 10 years, have you been able to escalate your lifestyle so much? Why do you have so much? Why do you have more 
than you actually need. Again, not want, but need. The reason we need to slow down occasionally and force ourselves to wrestle with that question is that culture keeps us laser-focused on what we don't have. Culture doesn't want us to ask that question. Culture wants us to ask, why don't I have more? Why don't I have what he has? Why don't I have what she has, what's newer? Mine is square, hers is rectangle, right? Focusing on what we don't have makes our hearts vulnerable to greed. Why? Because as long as I'm on a quest for more, I will assume that when more comes along, it's all for me. And when you look at the teaching of Jesus and what he gives about money, some things become really clear. And one of those would be how Jesus defines greed. And basically, um, now these are my words, but they're based on what Jesus has read or what I read Jesus said. Jesus defines greed as this. Greed is the assumption that life's extras are for our consumption. Right? That kind of attitude leaves us with very little margin for generosity. Uh, if it's an uncomfortable question, I get it. But consider this. In the past, when did you have enough? You know, like when you had enough, were you hesitant to question God about that? Like chances are when you didn't have enough, you didn't hesitate to ask God at all. When we don't have enough, we wonder why. Why not wonder, though, when we have more? This question might just be the question that turns your financial life around. It might also be the question that God uses to get you unstuck from where you are financially and spiritually. But as long as we're on the cultural track of asking, why don't I have more? You're going to constantly bump up against your income in terms of lifestyle. And as long as that is the case, you will create an artificial sense of need. Because what began as a want will become a need. What begins as wants become needs. Because if you want a larger house and you get what you want, you will need the money to pay for that larger house. And after a while, as wants become needs, you will find you have no margin and you will feel financial pressure all the time. And it all began by giving into our wants. Wants lead to an artificial sense of of need. And then we find ourselves asking, why don't I have more? Why don't I have peace? Why don't I feel free? Why do I always worry about money? But there is a better question to ask. Why do I have so much? Why do I have extra? Why do we have more than we need? With that in mind, I want us to look at how Jesus addressed this topic head on. And it's a powerful answer given in the form of a parable found in Luke 12. So he begins in verse 13. Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. And Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware. Guard your heart against every kind of greed. To which we say, whoa, whoa, wait a second. D Jesus, did you just change the subject? I mean, this guy was talking about not getting his fair share, and you changed the subject to greed. And in the next few sentences, Jesus defines what he's talking about. He defines greed for us. And this is important for us to know because it's hard to see greed in the mirror. Because greedy people say innocent and good things like, you know what, I'm careful. I'm a good money manager. I'm a saver. 
They say all kinds of things like this. So it's very difficult, I mean, for me, for you, for all of us, to see greed in the mirror. So Jesus is going to warn us that greed shows up in many different ways, and we need to be on the lookout for it. Again, it is a very difficult thing to see greed in the mirror. So Jesus gives us this huge statement for us to consider. All right? Life is not measured by how much you own. We know this intellectually. But Jesus is driving us to something that we feel emotionally. If someone was watching us from the outside, they might conclude that we must purchase and consume in order to be able to live. That They might think that if we stop purchasing and consuming, then we would die. But Jesus tells us that we, what we know uh, that's not true intellectually, it's very easy to slip into this mindset that my life is measured by how much I own. Now, having laid that on them, Jesus launches into a parable aimed at those that are in the audience with extra. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. All right? He had enough room in his barns to store an average crop, but he had a fine crop. In other words, he now has more than he had planned for. So now we have a rich man who's become even richer And he had extra. So now he has extra, extra. Verse 17. So he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. In other words, I've got all this extra, and I don't have room to store all my extra. Me, the rich man. And as you listen to the story, as the people in Jesus' audience listen to the story, they thought what some of you are probably thinking when you hear this. Like, if you don't have room... Perhaps you should look around. Perhaps you should think of some other people. But again, it's hard to see greed in the mirror, right? We can see greed in his mirror, but we can't see greed in our own because he assumed uh, about his possessions what I assume about my possessions and you assume about yours, that when I have extra, it's for me. Like, great, now I can ratchet up my lifestyle. Now my basement is full, so I need a bigger basement. I might need another storage unit to store all of my stuff. I mean, we all go there. But verse 18, he says, Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and then I'll have room enough to store all of my wheat and other goods. Now, our culture tells us that this guy probably should write a book. He should at least have his own podcast or reality show. This is the kind of guy that we need to emulate. He was wealthy, and he got wealthier. Isn't that the goal? Isn't that the dream? Isn't that what you want to be? Isn't that what we are chasing? Jesus goes on. So the guy says, and I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come, so take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And if the story had ended there, we would probably consider this guy a role model. But the story doesn't end there. Nobody's story ends there. He planned ahead. He just didn't plan far enough ahead. Right? He was right. He did need to consider his future, but not in the way that he assumed. He made a fatal assumption. He assumed that since he had so many years of stuff, he had many years of life. He assumed that life is measured by how much I own. All right, you read that and you think, well, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, that, that's simply not true. But it is the way that he thought. His possessions were for him. 
The extra was for him. So, let me put it this way. His problem was not that he was rich. His problem was that he didn't know why he was rich. If we had asked him the question that I asked you in the beginning, why do you have so much? Why do you have more than you need? His response probably would have been, I guess it's so that I can have some for later. Right? Verse 20, though, begins with a but. He thought, but God thought differently. Verse 20, but God said to him, you fool. To which we say, God, he's not a fool. He's the goal. Like, he's a model. He's to be emulated. What, What do you mean, a fool? He says, you fool. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? So, question Now, now that you've gone away, who is going to get what you prepared for you? Answer, somebody else. In the end, all of his possessions would be distributed to others. But not because he was generous, it was because he's dead. It's ironic. You assume that the extra was for you. You thought the money ensured time. I'll take your life and leave your money. You have run out of time before you ran out of money. He was wrong about his assumptions. And the next verse is just huge in this story. It's the moral of the story. Verse 21. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. The moral to the story is that whatever happened to this guy is going to happen to everyone who simply stores up things for themselves. But it's not, all right, they store for themselves, but they're not rich towards God. Taking care of his own deal rather than looking after God's deal is not going to work. Being rich towards God, what does that mean? It means giving what you don't need to those who are in need. Giving to the things that are important to God. Taking care of the poor. We saw that in the beginning with those verses. Giving money to fund ministry, to reach people everywhere with the good news of Jesus. Jesus tells us that this guy's problem was not with being rich. Right? Being rich was not the problem at all. The problem was not knowing why he was rich. Again, this, problem, this guy's problem was not in having extra, I want to be clear. But it was in thinking that the extra was for him. Jesus' definition of a greedy person is someone who stores up things for themselves, but who is not rich towards God. A greedy person is the man or the woman who saves carefully, but gives sparingly. A person who assumes that the abundance that comes with his or her way is primarily for personal consumption. This is how Jesus defines it. So a big question to ask is, what is this? In that sentence, this is how it will be. What is this? This, let me tell you what it's not. This is not you will die. Jesus is not saying that if you're greedy or if you only spend money on yourself, you will die. All right? that, that somehow you will just prematurely uh, die in your sleep. That's not what he is saying. Rather, the this in his story is total loss. This is total loss. This landowner suffered a total reversal at death. He lost everything in this life and had nothing to show for it in the next life. It was a total and complete loss. He didn't just lose his life. He lost everything he considered life. 
And in the words of Jesus, he was a fool. A fool that most of us would have envied had we known him. A fool that many of us have a tendency to emulate. He was strapped and he didn't even know it until it was too late to do anything about it. So, the thing that Jesus is trying to teach all of us here is this. If God has blessed you with more than you need, it's so you can share your abundance with those in need. Now imagine if that was your perspective. If that was your frame of reference for all of your finances. Imagine that every spending decision, every financial planning decision was ran through that grid. Imagine that every time you got extra, you asked God the question, what do you want me to do with it? Imagine that every time you got extra thinking, if I have more than I need, it is probably because God wants some of it to go to someone in need. And here's what I know. If you had been thinking this way for the last 10 years, your personal finances would look radically different today. Because when you begin thinking this way, your lifestyle quits chasing income. And that changes everything. Now, this is a lesson that your mama tried to teach you when you were young, all of us, I'm sure. You remember what your mom told you when you had two cookies and your sister had none? Right? What did your mom say to you? She, she, she said, quick, eat them both before your no good, lazy, worthless sister can wrench one out of your hands. <laughs> probably not. I, I, that's probably not what your mom said. She probably said something like, why don't you share one of your cookies with your sister? Why? Because watching someone eat two cookies in the presence of someone that has none, it just doesn't seem right, does it? Right? We feel compelled to say something or to do something. So imagine being God. Imagine being able to see everybody in the world who has two cookies. And at the same time, you see everybody who has no cookies. Chances are, you might say share. So it would make sense that if God has blessed you with more than you need, it is so that you can share your abundance with those in need. Not out of guilt for what you have, right? If you have a lot of money and resources, you should not have guilt for what you have or what you have worked for. That guilt is not from God. So we don't share out of guilt. Rather, we share out of love and gratitude to the one who provided it, right? It just as God wants us to share, he just wants us to share our extra cookie with those who don't have a cookie. So how do you get to a place where you're able to share, right? Because uh, you may not be there. And you'll hear me say this all the time. It's about priorities, proper priorities will help sort out all of this and keep us from getting to the place where we are strapped financially and unable to follow with the generous heart that God has given us all. And this is what I mean by proper priorities. Give, save, live on the rest. In that order. Give, save, live on the rest. Another way to say this is be rich towards God, be rich towards yourself, and then adjust your lifestyle accordingly. That prioritization breaks the power of invisible greed that we can see, that we can't see in the mirror, but it's there. And if you want evidence of it, the evidence is when we find ourselves under financial pressure because we have chased our income with our lifestyle. It's in that chasing of our income with lifestyle, it causes us a want to become a need. This is why we say, and the Bible teaches, percentage giving. 
percentage giving. Per- percentage giving says, before I live my life and fund my kingdom, I'm going to pick a percentage and use that to fund the things that are important to God. And then I'm going to pick another percentage that goes away into savings for my future. And I'm going to adjust my lifestyle to fit inside of that and live on the rest. And until your lifestyle is impacted by your generosity, you really haven't gotten to where Jesus wants you. Why? Because that is where you have to start trusting him. And that is where a deep relationship is formed. And here's what I also know. If you get the order reversed, so you live, save, and give, you will almost never save or give. And you will always feel under financial pressure no matter how much money you have. But when you get that order right, give, save, live on the rest. It breaks the power money has in your life. And it releases you to do the generous things that I know your heart wants to be doing. It allows you to partner with God to help those that you see that are hurting and in need. And if you know, and do you know when you should begin this? Right? When should this be a priority? Right now. No matter what your current income is. It begins now. Even if you're on the edge financially. It begins when everything is going well. It begins now. Even if you're just starting out in life. So, as I wrap up, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to imagine something with me. Imagine what your financial world would look like right now if this order had been a priority for the past 10 years. How much money would you have saved for yourself? How much more would you have because you had invested that money wisely? I'm willing to bet that you would definitely have more money than you have now. And I also believe God's kingdom would have been more fully funded. You would have more peace. Your marriage might even better shape because all the fights and stress about money and bills might not have even happened. So look at me. In my view, this is a win-win-win proposition. You win in that you break out of the cycle of want and able to live on less. Therefore, you have financial margin for the unexpected expenses that come. You also have a savings account with real money in it and a retirement account that you might just be able to live on when you retire. And the kingdom of God wins because there is more money available to reach people with a message that Jesus offers a real and satisfying life in contrast with this anxiety-driven life that the world offers. And then those in need win because there is money to take care of their needs. It sounds great, right? So why doesn't everybody do it naturally? Well, because all of us struggle with a lack of self-control, a lack of self-control that ignores wisdom and embraces instant gratification, gratification that doesn't gratify or satisfy. So Jesus started this whole story with this statement. Life is not measured by how much you own. My challenge to you is to consider what Jesus said and ask if he is right. Like maybe life does consist in what you give away. That's what Jesus was known for. What he gave up, not what he acquired. And when you and I embrace that way of thinking, the financial fog, will begin to go away and we'll be on our way to being financially free. After all, chances are you will run out of time before you run out of stuff. So while you still have time, give generously. And if you do, you will see the rest of your personal finances differently. 
Generous giving breaks the power of greed and clears the fog. I hope God trusts all of you with extra treasure. And I hope all of us remember when that time comes, when he gave it to us, it is he who gave it in the first place. I hope we drill deep down into our soul that if God has blessed you with more than you need, it's so you can share your abundance with those in need. And know this, along with the principles, God grants the strength, power, and self-control to those who surrender to him. He does this by coming and living in us, and it is his spirit in us that enables us to follow through on what he knows is the wise thing to do. So, will you choose a percentage and live on it? Will you give first, save second, and live on the rest? If so, you will escape the financial struggle that you find yourself in. You will be free. You'll have more, and you will give more, and you will live more. Let's all pray together. Father, I know that watching or listening to this today are people who are in great need financially. And I know that your heart goes out to them. So Jesus, put your arms around our friends who are in great need. Let them feel the comfort and hope that you will meet their needs. And then for those of us who have been giving so much, give us the strength to break the power of money and greed over life. And God, I know that for so many, this, this is painful. And we look at our financial mistakes and we feel horrible and we feel hopeless like we could never get out. God, I pray that as we seek you, that you would build our faith of what is possible and you would help us to wisely manage what you have given us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, friends, thanks for joining us today. If you think today's message might be valuable to someone in some way, uh, I would love it if you shared this video. Not only could it be helpful for them, but by sharing this content as well as liking and subscribing to this channel, you are helping us accomplish our mission to raise the reputation of Jesus. And each and every week, uh, I ask you to uh, head over to our website, nextlevelchurch.org, click the green Give button that's at the top and choose one of those giving options that's there. Your generosity and your faithful support helps us raise the reputation of Jesus where we live, work, and play. Now, by way of benediction, let me reread to you the words of Jesus from Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. May you live your life not measured by what you own. May you live your life by who you are called to be. Hey, have a blessed week. We're going to be praying for you, and I will see you back uh, in person or right here next week. Love you guys.